Chapter six of Theophrastus Such by George Eliot. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Josh Middledorf. Chapter six. Only temper. What is temper? Its primary meaning, the proportion and mode in which qualities are mingled, is much neglected in popular speech, yet even here the word often carries a reference to an habitual state or general tendency of the organism in distinction from what are held to be specific virtues and vices. As people confess to bad memory, without expecting to sink in mental reputation, so we hear a man declared to have a bad temper, and yet glorified as the possessor of every high quality. When he errs, or in any way commits himself, his temper is accused, not his character, and it is understood that but for a brutal, bearish mood he is kindness itself. If he kicks small animals, swears violently at a servant who mistakes orders, or is grossly rude to his wife, it is remarked apologetically that these things mean nothing, they are all temper. Certainly there is a limit to this form of apology, and the forgery of a bill, or the ordering of goods without any prospect of paying for them, have never been set down to an unfortunate habit of sulkiness or of irascibility. But on the whole there is a peculiar exercise of indulgence toward the manifestation of bad temper which tends to encourage them, so that we are in danger of having among us a number of virtuous persons who conduct themselves detestably, just as we have hysterical patients who, with sound organs, are apparently laboring under many sorts of organic disease. Let it be admitted, however, that a man may be a good fellow and yet have a bad temper, so bad that we recognize his merits with reluctance and are inclined to resent his occasionally amiable behavior as an unfair demand on our admiration. Touchwood is that kind of a good fellow. He is by turns insolent, quarrelsome, repulsively haughty to innocent people who approach him with respect, neglectful of his friends, angry in face of legitimate demands, procrastinating in the fulfillment of such demands, prompted to rude words and harsh looks by a moody disgust with his fellow-men in general. And yet, as everyone will ensure you, the soul of honor, a steadfast friend, a defender of the oppressed, an affectionate-hearted creature. Pity that after a certain experience of his moods his intimacy becomes insupportable, a man who uses his balmorals to tread on your toes with much frequency and an unmistakable emphasis may prove a fast friend in adversity, but meanwhile your adversity has not arrived and your toes are tender. The daily sneer or growl at your remarks is not to be made amends for by a possible eulogy or defense of your understanding against depredators who may not present themselves and on an occasion which may never arise. I cannot submit to a chronic state of blue and green bruise as a form of insurance against an accident. Touchwood's bad temper is of the contradicting, pugnacious sort. He is the honorable gentleman in opposition, whatever proposal or proposition may be broached, and when others join him he secretly damns their superfluous agreement, quickly discovering that his way of stating the case is not exactly theirs. An invitation or any sign of expectation throws him into an attitude of refusal. 
ask his concurrence in a benevolent measure he will not decline to give it because he has a real sympathy with good aims but he complies resentfully though where he is let alone he will do much more than any one would have thought of asking for no man would shrink with greater sensitiveness from the imputation of not paying his debts yet when a bill is sent in with any promptitude he is inclined to make the tradesman wait for the money he is in such a hurry to get one sees that this antagonistic temper must be much relieved by finding a particular object and that its worst moments must be those where the mood is that of vague resistance there being nothing specific to oppose touchwood is never so little engaging as when he comes down to breakfast with a cloud on his brow after parting from you the night before with an affectionate effusiveness at the end of a confidential conversation which has assured you of mutual understanding impossible that you could have committed any offence if mice have disturbed him that's not your fault but nevertheless your cheerful greeting had better not convey any reference to the weather else it will be met by a sneer which taking you unawares may give you a crushing sense that you make a poor figure with your cheerfulness which was not asked for some daring person perhaps introduces another topic and uses the delicate flattery of appealing to touchwood for his opinion the topic being included in his favourite studies an indistinct muttering with a look at the carving-knife in reply teaches that daring person how ill he has chosen a market for his deference if touchwood's behaviour affects you very closely you had better break your leg in the course of the day his bad temper will then vanish at once he will take a painful journey on your behalf he will sit up with you night after night he will do all the work of your department so as to save you from any loss in consequence of your accident he will be even uniformly tender to you till you are well on your legs again when he will some fine morning insult you without provocation and make you wish that his generous goodness to you had not closed your lips against retort it is not always necessary that a friend should break his leg for touchwood to feel compunction and endeavour to make amends for his bearishness or insolence he becomes spontaneously conscious that he has misbehaved and he is not only ashamed of himself but has the better prompting to try and heal any wound he has inflicted unhappily the habit of being offensive without meaning it leads usually to a way of making amends which the injured person cannot but regard as being amiable without meaning it the kindnesses the complimentary indications or assurances are apt to appear in the light of a penance adjusted to the foregoing lapses and by the very contrast they offer call up a keener memory of the wrong they atone for they are not a spontaneous prompting of goodwill but an elaborate compensation and in fact dion's atoning friendliness has a ring of artificiality because he formerly disguised his good feelings toward you he now expresses more than he quite feels it is in vain having made you extremely uncomfortable last week he has absolutely diminished his power of making you happy to-day he struggles against this result by excessive effort but he has taught you to observe his fitfulness rather than be warmed by his episodic show of regard i suspect that many persons who have an uncertain incalculable temper flatter themselves that it enhances their fascination 
but perhaps they are under the prior mistake of exaggerating the charm which they suppose to be thus strengthened. In any case, they will do well not to trust in the attractions of caprice and moodiness for a long continuance or close intercourse. A pretty woman may fan the flame of distant adorers by harassing them, but if she lets one of them make her his wife, the point of view from which he will look at her poutings and tossings and mysterious inability to be pleased will be seriously altered. And if slavery to a pretty woman, which seems among the least conditional forms of abject service, will not bear too great a strain from her bad temper, even though her beauty remains the same, it is clear that a man whose claim lies in his high character or high performances had need impress us very constantly with his peculiar value and indispensableness if he is to test our patience by an uncertainty of temper which leaves us absolutely without grounds for guessing how he will receive our persons or humbly advanced opinions or what line he will take on any but the most momentous occasions for it is among the repulsive effects of his bad temper which is supposed to be compatible with shining virtues that it is apt to determine a man's sudden adhesion to an opinion whether on a personal or impersonal matter without leaving him time to consider his grounds this adhesion is sudden and momentary but it either forms a precedent for his line of thought and action or it is presently seen to have been inconsistent with his true mind this determination of partisanship by temper has its worst effects in the career of a public man, who is always in danger of getting so enthralled by his own words that he looks into facts and questions not to get rectifying knowledge, but to get evidence that will justify his actual attitude, which was assumed under an impulse dependent on something else than knowledge. There has been plenty of insistence on the evil of swearing by the words of a master and having the judgment uniformly controlled by a he-said-it. But a much worse woe to befall a man is to have every judgment controlled by an I-said-it, to make a divinity of his own short-sightedness or passion-led aberration and explain the world in its honour. There is hardly a more pitiable degradation than this for a man of high gifts Hence I cannot join with those who wish that Touchwood, being young enough to enter on public life, should get elected for Parliament and use his excellent abilities to serve his country in that conspicuous manner. For hitherto, in the less momentous incidents of private life, his capricious temper has only produced the minor evil of inconsistency, and he is even greatly at ease in contradiction himself, provided he can contradict you and disappoint any smiling expectation you may have shown that the impressions you are uttering are likely to meet with his sympathy, considering that the day before he himself gave you the example which your mind is following. He is at least free from those fetters of self-justification which are the curse of parliamentary speaking, and what I rather desire for him is that he should produce the great book which he is generally pronounced capable of writing, and put his best self imperturbably forward on the record for the advantage of society, because I should then have steady ground for bearing with his diurnal incalculableness, and could mix my gratitude as by a strong staple to that unvarying monumental service. Unhappily, 
Touchwood's great powers have been only so far manifested as to be believed in, not demonstrated. Everybody rates them highly and thinks that whatever he chose to do would be done in a first-rate manner. Is it his love of disappointing complacent expectancy which has gone so far as to keep up this lamentable negation and made him resolve not to write the comprehensive work which he would have written if nobody had expected it of him? One can see that if Touchwood were to become a public man and take to frequent speaking on platforms or from his seat in the house, it would hardly be possible for him to maintain much integrity of opinion or to avoid courses of partisanship which a healthy public sentiment would stamp with discredit. Say that he were endowed with the purest honesty, it would inevitably be dragged captive by this mysterious protean bad temper. There would be that fatal public necessity of justifying oratorical temper which had got on its legs in its bitter mood and made insulting imputations or of keeping up some decent show of consistency with opinions vented out of temper's contradictoriness and words would have to be followed up by acts of adhesion certainly if a bad-tempered man can be admirably virtuous he must be so under extreme difficulties I doubt the possibility that a high order of character can coexist with a temper like Touchwood's, for it is of the nature of such temper to interrupt the formation of healthy mental habits, which depend on a growing harmony between perception, conviction, and impulse. There may be good feelings, good deeds, for a human nature may pack endless varieties and blessed inconsistencies in its windings, but it is essential to what is worthy to be called high character that it may be safely calculated on and that its qualities shall have taken the form of principles or laws habitually if not perfectly obeyed if a man frequently passes unjust judgments takes up false attitudes intermits his acts of kindness with rude behavior or cruel words and falls into the consequent vulgar error of supposing that he can make amends by laboured agreeableness, I cannot consider such courses any the less ugly because they are ascribed to temper. Especially I object to the assumption that this having a fundamentally good disposition is either an apology or a compensation for the bad behaviour. If his temper yesterday made him lash the horses, upset the curricle and cause a breakage of my rib i feel it no compensation that to-day he vows he will drive me anywhere in the gentlest manner any day as long as he lives yesterday was what it was my rib is paining me it is not a main object of my life to be driven by touchwood and i have no confidence in his lifelong gentleness the utmost form of placability I am capable of is to try and remember his better deeds already performed, and, mindful of my own offences, to bear him no malice, but I cannot accept his amends. If the bad-tempered man wants to apologize, he had need to do it on a large public scale, make some beneficent discovery, produce some stimulating work of genius, invent some powerful process prove himself such a good to contemporary multitudes and future generations as to make the discomfort he causes his friends and acquaintances a vanishing quality a trifle even 
in their own estimate. End of chapter 6. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain.